when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Austin Walker. It is October 17th, 2016. I am not live in the bunker today. I am I am working from home. Sick. Joining me, hopefully not sick, Patrick Klepik. See, I'm in the tail end of being sick. Okay. I was sick and, and doing my best to mask it all last week. Uh, I have now moved to the annoying cough and congestion phase in which you feel fine, but you feel like garbage because you are just coughing all over right. the place and you're flumming up at four in the morning because your body's coughing because it's a natural response and I get it, body, you're doing what you need to do to get that stuff out of your lungs, but oh boy, it sure wakes a baby up at four in the morning when you cough all over the house. Yeah, it's not good. I'm still in the like muscle pain part of this. I'm in the like, oh wow, like did you know that being, just being could be a painful thing? Like, because it is, that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, if you hear trucks or sirens or horns or just like the sounds, I live across. I live. I live near where they shoot movies sometimes or TV, I guess. And so sometimes there's just car chases here. Uh, so if any of that stuff happens, what? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I like how that could also just be because you live in New York. Yeah, but who it knows? Is specifically because you live across the street from uh, uh, places where they shoot movies, yeah, films yeah, and TV shows. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's that's so that could be that. But uh, you know, other than that, it's nice. It's nice to be recording from not in the bunker today. Is what I will say. Is like it's a trade off. You're like, as I'm, comfortable as you can be, given the fact that my entire body is in constant pain. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, no, oh that's that's in some ways the subtle muscle pain is worse <laughs> than something excruciating. Yes, but uh, but I'm happy to be here anyway. Like this is the nice thing about doing a shorter podcast is I feel like I can I can get this one. I could not do a beast cast, let alone a bomb cast, on a day like today. But I can do a whatever the name of this podcast is. I can do that. Well, today we're doing our first three and a half hour podcast. No. Uh, we've loaded ourselves up with guests. It's going to be great, Austin. You're going to muscle through it. It's going to be fine. I will say we have a lot on the on the docket today when I look at the stuff to talk about. Like normally we come in here on a Monday and it's like, I don't have anything to talk about. Like I'm going to have to make some shit up. But today it feels like, <laughs> today it feels like. Austin, we do, Austin, we do that every day of our jobs. And this is my entire life. It feels like I'm just making shit up. I don't know. Um, yeah. But but today I feel like there's some stuff, and so I'm gonna start with the biggest news. This is it. This is the the big one. I played some mm. Elder Scrolls Online this weekend. Wait, okay, so hold, wait, uh-huh. wait, ESO wait. or TSO, TESO, TESO. You have an enormous backlog of games. You have very little. Yeah, I haven't time played to Doom. Play games. I haven't played. I haven't like played. And your Fallout your Four choice, DLC choice, that's supposed to be good. I still have to beat your The Witcher. Choice. Was Elder Scrolls Online? I have VR. I'm like I'm touching PSVR right now. <laughs> Real talk, though, I could not even imagine. Like, there was a point the other day where I was, I was like, getting tea out while I was, like, trying to recover from this thing. And I realized it felt like I had just finished a big VR session. Like, that's what the feeling of being sick felt like. It was like, oh, I put too much time in. I put, like, four hours into VR or something. I, I hadn't. But that was the feeling I had. Uh, yeah, I played Elder Scrolls Online. I did it. Okay, Okay. before we get to your impressions of it, which are less interesting to me than the thought process that led to us. Yeah. Playing the Elder Scrolls Online. Well, get me there. So, um, Elder Scrolls Online came out in 2014. I was not a big fan of it. It didn't feel like an Elder Scrolls game to me. Uh, I think that was kind of the, the common response. Mm-hmm. For a lot of reasons. Like, it, it felt... A lot of the animation felt off. Um, the, the, like, the biggest symbol of this almost like the the thing that i would point to as being emblematic of it was that like you could see a sword on the ground and not pick it up (laughs) right like it was just set dressing or if you you beat a bad guy and they died like you couldn't loot them because they didn't actually have any of the gear and that's like the thing that that ties together a lot of the bethesda games is like oh there's a there's almost like a simulation element of this where everything in the game is in the game and you can touch it and fuck with it and take it and break it down and whatever um and in general it was also just kind of split apart into zones in a way that 
Elder Scrolls games aren't, uh, and that a lot of the Bethesda open world games aren't. And so apparently earlier this year, I learned on PC, they released a thing called the One Tamriel update. They've been doing all these updates. They've been doing updates and the DLC has been apparently really good. And it's been, it's been like, they've been kind of honing their tools and figuring out how to make a, make the game feel more like what people want as an Elder Scrolls game. It's also been super successful on console, apparently. Like, it's way more successful on console than on PC. There was weirdos over at Iron Galaxy apparently did a ah, good job. I see. That, I see who it is. Okay. Of the game. Fucking Dave Lang every time. Yeah. Uh, good or bad, it turns out. Good or bad. He, <laughs> you know how in Phoenix Wright, it's, it's like whenever something smells, it's the butts. We've got to find something for Lang. I, someone out there has to figure out a, a phrase like that, but for Dave Lang. The, the butts. The, I kind of got drawn back in because there's this big update called One Tamriel in which they added level scaling into an MMO where you could just go wherever the way you could in Skyrim or Oblivion or Morrowind and the enemies would level to you. So that like, oh yeah, I want to go do that cool DLC stuff. I want to go do the Dark, the Dark Brotherhood quest, which like when it first came out, you had to be a certain level or whatever to go do it. But now it's like, no, I'm level 15. Like, that's fine. I'll, I can go do that right now. And the same way that you could join the Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim or in uh, Oblivion whenever you huh. wanted to. Um, and then also removed all the like faction requirements from joining different, like when it first launched, there were three factions and you could only be the races that are in each of those fa- factions. You couldn't like be a high, a high elf who goes to the Dark Elf faction. Only the three races that were in the Dark Elf faction could be in that faction. Um, and so like they kind of just said like yeah just play this game like it's one of our other games and they also made a bunch of other little improvements about like the way combat feels and they let you start picking up a lot of the things that are just scattered around the world um, Polygon actually just ran this huge article which is kind of part part of what got me back into it um, my friend Jack had been talking to me about it and I went out to look for some more info in Polygon I think Charlie Hall over at Polygon just ran a really long like deep dive into the development of the game and there's one section about how, like, at one point they just hired a bunch of people to fill all of the barrels and crates with stuff in that game. Because that's what, that's part of the feeling of an Elder Scrolls game. Um, and so I put, like, four hours into it over the weekend. Um, and it's still not quite what I want from one of these. But I think I'm going to start over on the PS4 and, like, try to go in blind. I did the thing of loading up an old character. And, like, boy, do I not remember how this game plays. <laughs> which you know you've written about in terms of destiny and like destiny is way yeah. easier to get back into than something with skill trees and you go in and it's like oh we've refunded all of your ability points good luck yeah at least at least in destiny i know i hold left trigger right trigger and yo i'm on my way right right exactly you don't have something called like adric spear like i don't fucking know what an adric spear does is that good is that better or worse than a daedric spear is it? Did you figure it it's, out? It's fine. It's like a holy spear. It's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It heals me. I kill people with it. It heals me. Which, That's good. Which feels evil. Like, maybe you're holy shit. Like, normally, stuff in games where it's like, oh, when you kill something, it heals you. They give you, like, words. They kind of they kind of rhetoric it up as being like, oh, it's, va- it's vampiric. It's dark. It's blood magic. But in Elder Scrolls Online, that's like the holiest shit there is, is I'm going to stab you with this spear and then get my health back. I don't know. I don't know if I... I don't... It's world building, I guess. Look, you do what you gotta do to get things done. That's true. You gotta, you gotta survive, Austin. That's true. I gotta go after those Daedric Princes. Or That's whatever. True. Whatever's happening in the Elder Scrolls. I did find a book. Here's the first thing that was good. Oh, this is it. All right. Here we go. This is how you get me in an Elder Scrolls game. Okay. I was like having an okay time, and I was uh-huh. deep in some dungeon, and I found yep. a bookshelf, and I found a book on the bookshelf, and it was like, man... This new change in the way enchanting works has fucked up the economy. <laughs> That's what the book said? Yeah, so the way it was a letter from this dude to his like local um, <gasps> like his local politician to be like, we have to start taxing enchantment runes. Uh, because he's like, in the old days, in the old days, <laughs> this is seriously what the letter said. It was like in the old days, there were local enchanters, and that meant that the prices for enchantment in Skyrim were different than the prices of enchantment in Morrowind because they reflected the local economy. So you had to bring a sword to get your shit enchanted and like no one would just bring their sword from skyrim to morrowind that's far like so you wouldn't like they're they're you're only competing locally with local other enchanters but now in the world of elder scrolls online you just the people enchant like gems and then you slot the gem into your equipment because it's a video game and that has the enchantment and this guy like writes this letter to his local politician to be like Man, we have got to start taxing these gems. <laughs> they are ruining my business. I have no margin anymore. I love it so much, Patrick. I love when bullshit video game things are given like a canonical like backstory. 
the problems of globalization in the world of Tamriel. Mm, exactly. I like conceptually the idea of playing uh, Bethesda games and especially the, the Elder Scrolls ones where they're like tons of like novels that yes. tell stories in the world. But I don't want to read like the novels, but I love the letters. Yes, like, that's exactly I, it. Like, I, like, I conceptually am glad that I open up a tome and there's like 10 pages of a <laughs> story I could read, but like, I'm not going to do it. I, 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 like, I'm glad someone did it and then maybe there's someone out there that appreciates that it exists and they'll read it. But the letters, like that stuff is... That stuff's my jam in terms of, like, the world building that I will actually engage with. Totally. Or, like, a nice poster. Just, like, give yeah. me give me short-form world building, please. I guess that's the problem is that eventually this is how you wind up with, like, skeleton next to toilet reading a book, right? It's like that's if – you, if, you uh, if you contract it too small, you end up with nothing. And if you go out too big, you end up with books no one will read. You got to find that nice sweet spot right in the middle. Yeah, it's funny because there's an article I'm working on um, that is about a guy that is scoured all of Fallout 4 for those sort of side stories uh, um, in the world that are, you know, where it runs the, you know, the Bethesda games do run that gamut of, you know, explicit uh, sort of like handcrafted, um, you know, cutscenes and events that tell a story. And then there are just those moments where, you know, they need to fill the world, so they rearrange some objects they already have, but the way they rearrange those objects is actually meaningful in a way that, in some ways, is more engaging to have your imagination kind of fill in those dots than it is to have a letter that says what went right or what went wrong in this little corner of the world. Totally, totally. It, it's a real skillful thing when they can pull it off right, and it's one of those things where I, I wonder like what what's next for that stuff. Like I, I would love to see a game... You know, what you kind of just said was, like, they use the parts they already had, the building blocks they already had, and rearrange them in different ways. I would love to see a game of the size of that with a team that was devoted to, like, building new assets for those sorts of little side stories. Deeply right. inefficient, incredibly expensive. <laughs> totally understand why this isn't the case. Would love to see it. Would love to see, like, this skeleton is slightly different than all other skeletons, and it's the only one. There are thousands of skeletons in this game. This one has, like, a, I don't, I'm, I'm sick, Patrick. I don't have good jokes. I don't have any good bits. I don't have any good goofs. A glove. I was going to say, this one has a glove on. I don't know why that would be cool, but maybe if there was a... I, what, it's good enough, Austin. It's fine. You don't, don't stretch yourself too thin. I have a fever. What did you do this weekend? I, well, I didn't have a fever. That You... <laughs> You pivoted really quickly there. You you really wanted out of that segment. I needed to go. I needed to throw. Like sometimes we do, we do good transitions. <laughs> we did a segue last week that was so good. I'm not. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. We did a segue so good last week that someone thanked us for not pointing out that we did a segue. <laughs> That's when it's a real good segue. Yes. Is when it just segues. But the problem is because we're all amateurs at this. When a real good segue happens, it's like really difficult to not yes. take notice of it and be like really proud of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like that's why I'm doing it after the fact. I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that segue we did last. Last week, today, but not at the, I'm trying to bring professionalism into podcasting, Patrick. Finally. That's why I've been something. talking about the Elder Scrolls Online for 22 minutes or whatever. Exactly. So uh, what have you been I've, doing, I've, I've finished out Gears of War 4. Nice. Uh, I finished that uh, over the weekend. Um, uh, I, I feel like the article I wrote for the site, uh, which is basically about the first half of the campaign, not necessarily reflective of how I feel about the second half mm. of the campaign. Um, you know, without getting into, you know, sort of explicit story spoilers, like, I don't think it would be a surprise to say, like, you run into some familiar things huh. in Gears of War 4, um, which is fine. You know, I mean, it would be shocking that a Gears of War game wouldn't slip into some uh, really familiar clothing, both narratively uh, and mechanically. But uh, it, it, the first half of the, of the game uh, introduces some really interesting uh, sort of like world building elements and mechanical elements that it doesn't really do a whole lot with in the second half. Mm. And I guess the storytelling part is what really actually uh, bummed me out because they... Uh, in Gears of War 4 they introduced like some really interesting ideas about what's happening on this planet like the the, the female character um, who I, I guess it says everything that I can't remember her name <laughs> Kate Kate there that it is I right. went long enough yeah. uh, it would come to me uh, you know uh, she makes some really interesting comments when uh, the characters are going through uh, one of these abandoned um uh, outposts uh, in which uh, you have to go through a hospital wing and in the hospital wing there are all these posters oh, right. um, that, are, that are encouraging people to uh, essentially have sex and repopulate the planet um, because things were so uh, distraught after the the war with the locusts that they actually need to do like a you know a repopulation drive to encourage uh, people to to move in that direction. Right. And you know she makes a very explicit comment about how like you know she didn't want to do that and how she felt pressures about that and her and you know because that was just sort of pervasive in society and like it picks up some of these ideas and 
Um, you know, that's combined with, you know, uh, you in the first half of the game, you like encounter, you know, like tribes that have ostracized themselves from society because they don't want to be part of like the government structure that has taken place uh, in a sort of uh, slightly author- author- authoritarian rule uh, after uh, the Locust uh, victory uh, or the victory over the Locust. And it just doesn't like the first half of the game introduces all of this stuff and then it just sort of drops it in favor of combat section after combat section after combat section with like very little uh, storytelling happening in, in a way that uh, it just kind of bummed me out because like you clearly had a bunch of really yeah. interesting ideas and not that I expect Gears of War to be like this, you know, like I, I mean, you know, my expectations are, are firmly in check, but it was disappointing to see them pick up the ball and then immediately drop it. And it was funny because I was tweeting about this over the weekend after I finished it, and people, there was one guy who made uh, sort of this funny, uh, snarky response. He was like, well, yeah, that's where the novelizations come in. And, like, he's totally right. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know if there's actually going to be Gears of War novelizations, but, like, it's not going to shock me if there was, like, a Gears of War, like, book spinoff that went did a deep dive into, like, the actual societal problems uh, because that's the kind of thing you would have to get into in a novel as opposed to just a describing shooter. endless combat well, sections. Like the, thing that's, the thing that's frustrating, even if you're just trying to make a, a, a really good stock standard shooter, is that like one of the things that elevates the best of those above others, it, you know, I think even going back to the first Gears, you know, looking at the, the best Halo games, looking at yeah, something like um, uh, uh, Binary Domain is like great characterization and good character yeah. work in general. And part of having a really well-defined world and having really interesting new st- stuff happening in, in that world is that it, it gives you uh, a mirror that you can reflect your characters off of, right? Like you can like see into your characters as they see the world. And so doing that stuff in the, the first half of the game, like, you know, I'm only like two hours or an hour and a half into Gears 4 or something like that. But I got past right. the point you're talking about. And like through that, like, oh, I have a pretty good understanding of like who this core four group of people is. Um, and I was hoping to see more of that stuff. Like I, I was actually really hoping that that was a game that was going to go through these through a bunch of different places that I had never been in in a Gears game. Like, not that I don't love beautiful, fucked-up streets, like, you know, or, or uh, you know, going deep into weird cavernous... Caves. Yeah, things, exactly. <laughs> yeah, get ready for some caves, Austin. Right, well, like, that sucks. Like, it's fine. It's, I've just been in caves a bunch, but but the opening to Gears 4 was the first time I'd been in a city that was literally building itself around me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's what I found disappointing about it. It was less so that... Uh, I wasn't enjoying myself. Like, I thoroughly had yes. a great time playing through Gears of War 4 because um, I think part of the fact that it's, you know, as I wrote in my article, the fact that there was so much distance between um, 3 and 4 relative to when we normally get a sequel um, allows Gears of War 4 to feel fresh, or at least I missed it enough that I'm like the repetition. Uh, feels enjoyable uh, again because the loop of Gears of War 4, the way, uh, you know, like the heads explode as though they are like a gusher, like a a thing of candy, um, is pleasurable in a way that like I don't really want to fully engage with because it'll upset myself. Um, But uh, it's, it's, that that part's okay. And it's just, I guess it seemed like Gears of War 4 had aspirations or at least it's when they sat down and built out that world and then structured how they're going to introduce these characters they they had all these interesting ideas and I, I just would have been nice to see them follow through and maybe they will in sequels but it's does it I guess feel that's like that's also, coming is that is there a sequel coming well there, it's, like it's it? already announced oh. as a trilogy okay. which I think is part of the problem right, right? like yeah. like when when characterization is mapped out over the course of three games um, which isn't to say that I'm I'm looking at it entirely cynically that they go oh well, we're not going to get to but like you know yeah, obviously you they're going to keep way certain that, it doesn't have to be cynical it can be that like you know I, I don't know like I'm someone who's who's done fiction and stuff and, and you go like okay well what's the size of my canvas okay like we can stretch this I, I can deliver this story over the, the course of these three titles I can't I don't want to rush through this character's entire development arc in the first game because then I'm going to have to be a, it'll be a completely uh, empty on the second game I'll have to start fresh like that's just a natural part of organic storytelling if what you're doing is from the jump saying this is what I want to do whereas there are other times when you're like I'm going to tell this story and hopefully maybe I'll get a chance to tell another one in which case you end up with a little bit more focused storytelling around a single character you know yeah and I, th- I feel like that's a little bit of what happens here is like the, the beats have been thought about too early and again this is no insight into their process and I, I could right, be completely misreading it but you know it, 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 I get the sense that like okay here's the beat that's in Gears 4 and then we're ready for the beat that's in Gears 5 right. and then here's the, the, the conclusion to that arc in Gears 6 whereas I feel like it was very possible for like some sense of that to to better meld into Gears 4 so that I was more excited about these characters at the end of it 
as they were going into their next adventure. Whereas now, uh, it doesn't help that the cliffhanger they end on is just ugh, like it yeah. is. It is the gr- the grossest of gross cliffhangers, uh, and like you are clearly in a trilogy. And like I like the way like you know the, the optimal storytelling for even something that is planned as is tr- a trilogy is that you get a satisfying arc in in that first game, and then you're excited to see what happens next. Right. And I don't. I don't know. They didn't really earn that in this game. It was more just right. I, I kind of wish I had waited for the Gears trilogy so I could have played these back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, just because that's the the way they kind of conclude the storytelling is frustrating in that manner, where I now know I have to now wait at least two years before this picks up, and any momentum is blunted because that cliffhanger... The cliffhanger's not enough to, to keep me motivated for the next two years. It's more that I'm going to have to, like, you know, look at a wiki and blah, 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 blah. Right, but right. Um, it's very fun. <laughs> like, I would say, like, if you if you listen to what I just said for, for you know, almost 10 minutes and go, dude, you why are you playing the game for this? Like, if that is your response, then you are going to have a f- phenomenal time with Gears 4. It's it's really fun. The new stuff uh, they introduced mechanically and, and with the weapons is great. And then I can shut up and you'll have a you'll, – you'll enjoy Gears 4. How do you think – Gears 5 would be if the lead character wasn't voiced by Liam McIntyre and if Laura <laughs> Bailey wasn't wasn't uh because there's a chance that's gonna happen it turns out we'll see yeah so SAG after a, a couple of months ago about, about a year maybe not a couple of months ago maybe like a year ago it's been a while um mm-hmm. it came out uh and and said that they were going to um there was a bunch of steps taken uh in their negotiation SAG after rewind okay SAG-AFTRA is a union, is an actor's union, um, and they were in negotiations with a number of very big publishers in the video game space, um, and those, those negotiations had not been going super well. Uh, I think like six months ago, somewhere like that, they had actually um, uh, decided to vote. They did a vote to whether or not to authorize a committee to declare a strike. So kind of like all the members decided, yes, you're allowed to, as part of this negotiation, call a strike without having to re-vote for it then and there. And then just yesterday, SAG-AFTRA has come forward and said that on the 21st, I believe, um, October 21st at 12.01 a.m., if negotiations are still unsuccessful, the the union will strike. Um, as like a quick catch-up, a lot of this is about uh, things like whether or not Actors need to attend every audition that a publisher puts out. Uh, stunt uh, work, both in terms of mocap and in terms of voice stunt work, like lots of screaming and yelling, which can threaten their vocal cords. Um, all sorts of weird uh, kind of very, I don't want to say like inside baseball, but like like everything in the world, an industry has a lot of nuances and complexities. Uh, and there's a, a pretty good rundown of what their platform is on the sag After site. Um, but as to wasn't there a uh, element of this uh, about participation in royalties? Yes, absolutely. Was there was like also a- the, the the royalty thing, which was like I don't want to use numbers here because I just don't have them on hand. But it, it was a very it it was in my previous estimation, I recall, um, a very kind of humble royalty decision or a royalty goal of just like yeah, if this if this game sells a million copies, that's when the actors start getting royalties, and they're not there's a cap on them that was not absurd. You know, we're talking about the thousands of dollars basically um, but i know that in the conversation as this was sort of spilling out and you know part of when you run uh in the run-up to a strike is sort of a, a narrative mm-hmm. battle like in the in the in the press and and amongst uh, fans because you want to get them on their side because i think all parties involved would traditionally like to avoid a strike so it's yep. like if you can apply enough pressure um in the pr game um, and i know that one thing that kind of struck in the craw of developers and and i think uh rightly or wrongly uh, hurt uh, the argument that the voice actors are making was this point about royalties because uh, generally speaking uh, developers do not get uh, royalties Uh, there are exceptions to that um, um, and you know people have famously heard about how uh, you know, Obsidian did not get uh, a royalty bonus for their work on Fallout New Vegas because their Metacritic rating was mm-hmm. 1% off um, from the, the average they needed to have one of those kick in, um, which uh, they're, they're just, they're, royalties are not necessarily like sort of an institutional part of making video totally. games. And and so there was this sense that uh, uh, voice actors who are an, a component and depending on the game, a very important component of that experience but they are not the programmers, the artists, the designers, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so this, I remember that being the last Huge. time this flared up, this became a huge well, sort of and, sticking point where 
people were upset about that, but also it was like, well, are you uh, are you should have you be upset because video game developers have not unionized and demanded right. this? Also or, have or, those like, right. Or, or, yeah, like, are you? Is it just a jealousy issue? Well, I, I don't um, even want to go so far as it's a like. It might not be as conscious as a jealousy issue, right? Like, I think ideology sure, works yeah. in weird ways, and I think that there is definitely games sit at this weird border between tech culture and entertainment cultures, right? Um, and, and depending on where you're at, also arts culture, right? Like, there's all of these different, and each of those spaces have different conventions and different expectations. Um, obviously, SAG-AFTRA leans very hard into the entertainment sector, and so it has the same ideas for what performance is worth as Hollywood does, as what, you know, other uh, creative unions do. Um, and so it's bringing those expectations into this world that has, at the management level, almost always been operated as tech, where no unionization, you know, uh, lots of leeway for, for crunch and other sorts of high intensity, let's say, uh, workflows. Um, like those two things are not uh, super compatible and seeing this debate kind of play out has been really um, a great learning experience for not only for like how things could turn out, but also for how people inside of this industry at various levels see themselves and, and see work in general and, and kind of understand what is possible in terms of whether or not unionization is a thing that they could ever do. Um, and, and just talk to some developers, you know, there are some developers who see this and go like, well, this sucks because we're a small dev and we would love to bring on, uh, you know, a, a great voice actor, but there's no way we would be able to pay royalties. And there are other people who are huge developers who, despite being so big, are saying that paying royalties is an impossibility. And like, mm, like one of you might have a case. The other of you is like talking out of the side of your mouth. And, and it's, it's being able to see everything kind of organized around an issue like this is always a great learning experience. Uh, I will read the Bullseye after as comment yesterday and also the companies that were in the negotiation had a, a follow-up so um sag after says uh through many months of bargaining with inter interactive employees we have not reached a fair agreement covering sag after performers working in video games often the most popular video games in the world our members have been clear. Now is the time for employees, employers to negotiate a modern contract that covers highly profitable industry. A strike is not to be entered lightly, but when the employers leave us with no recourse, we must stand firm with our men, uh, for our members. It is imperative that we secure for them the protections, compensation, and benefits they deserve. Um, and it, the, the companies up to be uh, caught up in the strike include Activision, um, who else? Electronic Arts is in there, Take-Two is in there, there's a bunch of Disney character voices, Insomniac, uh, WB. There's some other companies that I don't know at all, like Blind Light or Core of Discovery. Um, and I suspect that a lot of the places I don't know here are people are, are studios that do voice work for a litany of other games. Um, places like VoiceWorks Productions. Probably what they do is voice actor work and then like you know in contract for other companies. Um, and then in response to that, the, those companies released another uh, comment back saying that the video game companies, it's really weird because it's all caps. It's like there were the VG, the, the G, and the C are all capitalized because it's like right. they're a bargaining group. They're an official bargaining group. So the video game companies had already scheduled bargaining sessions this week with SAG after union leaders to attempt to reach a mutually beneficial agreement. We expect these negotiations to, to remain in place and will continue to attempt to reach a fair and equitable contract despite the union leadership's most recent threatened labor action. The existing contract between video game companies and SAG-AFTRA pays all performers more than $100 an hour, plus benefits, and most performers many times that. The company's current proposals on the negotiation table include wage increases for most performers and additional avenues for compensation that could yield many of hundreds of dollars more in payments for limited integration and, and ratification bonuses. It goes on and on. It's worth reading both of their positions here, not because I think either of their positions is, like, accurate to what the outcome will be but because like patrick said a lot of it is theater right like even the declaration yep. of of strike not that they won't go on strike they will but even that like revealing that without first announcing it privately to the video game companies if that's true as the video game companies are saying it is uh isn't isn't as like kind of a like I'm showing my hand a little bit. I'm showing you that I'm willing to go. Like, let's finish this up this week. Let's make a move right now or else we're going to have to deal with this strike. Yeah. So it's, you know, I guess we're kind of, we're keeping our eyes on it, but uh, it's right now it's a little bit, it's still kind of in the posturing phase. Yeah. And then, you know, shit gets real if, if the strike actually does. Go I mean, down. it'll be, it'll, you know, by Friday, by Friday's podcast, we will know one way or the other. Cool. Well, we'll, good thing we have a Friday podcast. But, but real talk, what would you feel like if, Liam McIntyre was not JD Phoenix in Gears 5. 
if Laura Bailey wasn't Kate Diaz. It's uh, my life would move on. Um, okay, what about I mean, like, I th- what about there are there are, there there are very few instances in which I feel like the voice of a character is intrinsically tied to uh, my feelings. Uh, towards a character or plus or negative which maybe it has more to do with games not characterizing well than than anything mm-hmm. else but um you know like i if i scratch my head you know nathan drake you can't recast nathan drake right like that is that is just that is what it is like he if you were to re uh unless it was a straight up reboot um you know if they were to do an uncharted five for for some reason and this prevented them from um, uh, from using Nolan North. Like that's a problem. Like that materially impacts that game. If they recast the characters in Gears of War Four, I would not blink. I probably wouldn't about, have even noticed. What about Marcus? What about Marcus Phoenix? Yeah, Marcus Phoenix is a problem. Yeah, okay. like he he is a key is an ingrained character that you have a history with. Um, this is and, and such an interesting thing because like I, I feel like the things that you're saying are, are points against SAG after here, right? In that like not against their not not that. Um, uh, fair labor uh, should require like uh, a, a consumer to give it the thumbs up necessarily, but like right. in terms of a bargaining position, the fact that you, who is a game critic, a game journalist, someone who's devoted de- a decade more, fifteen, how long have you been in this industry, Patrick? Let's let's not talk how about long that part. Your most of your life, most of your adult yep. life, your entire adult yep. life mm-hmm. has been spent playing and writing about video games. And you're like, eh, the main character of Gears 4 could change to somebody else. That's okay. I'll live. Not, which isn't a diss on the person's behavior or performance, even. No, it was fine. Like, in fact, it, was, it, it, was... it, it can be even a diss on, like, or not even a diss, but, like, we were talking about world building and characterization. That, like, in fact, it would have been great if that voice actor had, had more of a chance to develop the character with, with their talents. But, like, yeah, that, that's a tough position to be in if you're a voice actor, if even you're the people who enjoy your work aren't necessarily, like, moved by it enough to be like, no, you can't change them. And it makes you wonder, you know, I, I, it's uh, unclear to me. Uh, it makes sense for them, you know, voice actors in the bat position to make that argument that their role is of the utmost importance. But I think their argument is somewhat undercut um, just by the very nature of games as a medium and what their strength is, or at least what their strength is right now, uh, sort of, you know, generally speaking, is, you know, stories support mechanics and, right. and, and not the other way around. And that's not every game, but that's a lot of games. And I think that's that it just makes it difficult on their part to make the same argument that screenwriters and actors can make with uh, movies and television shows, which is that those just don't exist uh, without that, and for games, that's just, it's not the case. Like, you could delete the story from Gears of War 4, and, like, it would still be, like, a pretty fun game. Like, the mechanics are really good in that game. Right, like, it's right. fun to run around and shoot and Lots things. of people would still play those games. I, yes. I will say, though, that, like, maybe the, the argument, the line of argument that I would take here is that, you know, you, you never know when you're going to have a John Marston or a, a Lee from The Walking Dead where, like, oh, wow, like, the char- there's a lot of characterization developed through this voice. And so you, you want rules in place for when you're going to have that breakout success so that yes. that person is protected and, and so that the rest of everybody else are encouraged to continue participating in this industry instead of going to do ads, instead of going to do voiceover work for DreamWorks or, like, like... When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. There is, there is a, a real chance that if you're doing voice acting work right now in the, in the world of games, like you're hoping that you're going to get the weird new small game that happens to have a really great voice acting role. But like, I could, if I was a voice actor, I don't know why I would stay in games as is. When you look at what SAG-AFTRA's, what, like the, their relationships are like throughout the rest of Hollywood, the rest of the entertainment industry is a, a better place. I would go do anime, obviously. Like I, that's just where I'd be. Like that's just where my, you know, that's just where my heart would take me anyway. Um, but I would, you know, I would like to see there there be protections in place for the medical stuff. And, and you know me, I'm the dude who would like to see the artists on games get a kickback 
back when that game sells uh, you know 20 million copies austin we have we have breaking news Uh-oh. we have breaking news from it. software has issued a patch for dark souls 3 oh, i want to read the first oh, value i want to read the first patch note on this adjusted poise values across the board poise is now more effective for heavier weapons and armor no way they made po- i have <laughs> I have been fucking following this story for the better part of 12 months in which From Software and Hidetaki Miyazaki, the chief designer of the Dark Souls yeah, series, uh-huh. is just like to, to my face in the sense that he we emailed questions and correspondence yeah, to translators. Uh, um, said that the poison mechanic was working as, as it was supposed to be and now they have gone and changed it to exactly how poison is supposed to work six months, eight months after that game came out. God. Damn it! I mean that's good because well, the DLC is coming. Anything. Out. So like maybe now you can go back and make your like high poise build. No, I mean I don't even play characters like that. It just drove me nuts. To, okay, to explain to people what the heck yeah, is what going are you t- on what here. What are you like, talking about? Yeah, I'm, I mean that's Patrick, look at me. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm. I know what you're talking about. But for I know what you're the know, rubes you're being, out there, audience surrogate, yes, audience surrogate. That's me. Uh, so in in Dark Souls, uh, like a lot of RPG, you know, games where you uh, build a character, uh, you have a different. Um, uh, points uh, that you can uh, drop into different attributes, uh, and one of those that has been consistent across uh, the Souls series is one called uh, Poise. I think I might have been called different things in, in some of the earlier games, but either way, it's it's the stat that you dump into so that uh, your character does not get staggered um, when it attacks. So what I mean by that is um, in a lot of action games, when you um, are attacking an enemy, um, you know, you can just keep spamming R1 or R2 or whatever and just keep attacking that enemy, even if they hit you back. Like, you guys can just kind of exchange blows uh, all the live long day. Um, In Dark Souls, uh, enemies are capable of interrupting your attack. Um, So you can be in the middle of, of hitting them and an enemy can hits you back and it staggers you like it takes you out of the attack phase it creates an opening for them it's you know if you've seen any hilarious videos where someone gets it like three times in a row and then immediately dies out of nowhere it's usually because they've been staggered right now uh for some characters like myself i tend to play dodging characters so i'm trying to avoid getting hit entirely um other people play characters in which they uh, dump a lot of points into poise and also wearing heavy armor so that you can walk into the middle of a fight and get hit from every angle and your character is not going to budge and you can just wail away. Um, now, in Dark Souls 3, uh, the poise stat didn't do anything. Like, literally, yeah. you could be dumping in uh, dozens of points into this and the stat says, like, the description of the stat is that, oh, you know, I've, I don't have it verbatim, but, you know, it's essentially what the stat has done in the past, that you'll be able to withstand attacks and not get staggered. And uh, one way of making poise even, you know, more formidable is by wearing heavy armor. Uh, And people were able to demonstrate that poise literally didn't do anything. And in the game's code, there was a way of flipping a value that turned poise on. So it it seemed that From Software at some point had decided to just turn poise off in the game code. Um, But they would tell the community and they would tell the press, mostly me, because I'm the one that refused to give up like this story because it really bothered me. I can tell. You're fired up, Patrick. Well, it bothered me because they were, it, it appeared that they were lying. And it bothered right. me because they weren't being straight. And and this wasn't a case where um, the Soul series where the being obtuse and vague um, is part of the charm. This was something where it seemed like they had made a mistake. And then instead of just acknowledging the mistake or admitting, look, we just didn't want Poise to work this way in Dark Souls 3, they would just kind of hand wave it away. And now this proves... Uh, or at least they've, they're showing contrition um, to to sort of like the, the general com- like hardcore community that this is how poise was supposed to work mm-hmm. and now it works that way in the new patch. Um, I will hopefully have access to that DLC today or tomorrow um, so that we can talk about it uh, on Friday. But oh, I guess that's not really breaking news. That's like breaking news for like 0.02% of the I, world, but it was very important to me. Vice Gaming is a place for people, passions, and politics. <laughs> like this is. <laughs> this is passion. This is what I want to see. This is it. So I know, I'm sure people people were like, "Oh, I'm sure uh, Red Dead Redemption Two was announced." Like, no, there's a boy stat change in the Dark Souls Three patch notes. <laughs> Listen, we all have our thing. Your thing apparently is like the thing that makes this great to me is you don't even fucking play this character. Like, this isn't even the no. you play. It doesn't even matter in your actual. I don't like. I don't like being lied it's to. The principle of the thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. what it is. I get it. I get it. You know, if there's anything that sums up probably the direction we want to take Vice Gaming, it is that exact. Like, yes. We, we could have been, and I am also excited for Red Dead Redemption 2, but the fact that I would spend almost 10 minutes just ranting about a poise stat in Dark Souls 3 is, I feel like that probably, if you ever wanted to know 
the kind of page that Austin and I are uh-huh. on. That is the page. <laughs> God. So uh, speaking of, though, Red Dead Redemption 2 might be a thing. Yeah. Probably uh, isn't. I mean, I mean, so, so, I mean, we've been pretty sure for a minute that it's a thing. I will, I will, Austin, I will tell, I can give you definitively, it is a thing. Everybody sit it down, Patrick's about to like, Patrick's about to talk on some shit right now. No, I, there's more that I know, but I don't feel comfortable sharing sure. certain, this game exists. Um, um, I don't have any inside information on how they're rolling out this announcement. Um, it, you know, it, it's not even a, a hint anymore. They put out additional artwork this morning that shows a, a gang of, uh, characters, seven characters, seven silhouettes, yeah. seven cowboy silhouettes uh, on that red background from the the, the old. Yeah, the stuff. speculation being that's going to be Marston's gang. This will be a prequel set um, ahead Ooh. of the last game because Red Dead Redemption. Essentially, you know, the narrative arc was about the end of the West, so it would you know in the beginning yeah. of industrialization. Um, so it'd be odd for them to do a sequel. It would just be tough. Um, for the Western setting, God, um, I don't want to. I don't want to pre. I, I'm fine with a, a game that takes place earlier in the history of the West. I don't want a Marston se- like prequel though. Yeah, I'm going to be. You know, what, okay, disappointed is a relative term yes. because I'm t- tremendously excited for this game. Um, uh, I think you know Red Dead Redemption and Bully are probably the best games that uh, Rockstar has has put out. Um, but uh, yes, uh, another Marston game will be disappointing because I believe it. If you were to play this, would if let's assume this game is Marston led, um, and you know, let's say three years from now, uh, if you play those two games together, maybe it does paint like a pretty amazing yeah. narrative arc. But for me, as someone that already played Red Dead Redemption, I had my you know, spoiler alert if you haven't played Red Dead Redemption, <sighs> but like the dude dies at the end in like one of the most spectacular, dramatic fashions yes. that is such an amazing way for. Especially, in, like, we were just talking about how AAA games are normally so bad at this stuff. Yeah. And, and and now that Red Dead Redemption doesn't have a lot of problems that it doesn't engage with about, like, the West and paint a much prettier picture of that world than, than, than maybe it should. But, like, the, the character of Marston, if we just focus in on that specifically, is, like, masterfully done yeah. for a game that takes place over 40, 45 hours. And, you know, I'm someone that thinks they should have just deleted Mexico from the game. Yep. Like, that's just, like, 15 hours that I could have taken in my life back. But the end of Marston's arc is, like, that game still gives me chills It's one of the best endings in, in big-budget totally. video games I think I've ever Absolutely. played. Absolutely. So, I, this is the person I am. It's like, I was like, I'll never play a game with Marston. Like, I will never. And then, like, immediately started thinking, okay, well, how would I do that well? Like, what would I do if I was given the, the keys to the kingdom? Like, all right, make a game about these seven characters or whatever it's marston's old gang what if you started playing marston when he was the age that jack is at the end of red dead and it's that it's oh so they they kind of have their cake and eat yeah. it too it's like it's it's marston but like but like young shitty like like completely self-doubt like just bad cowboy marston like not a good dude and like not not capable yet and then gr- like does the the time jump stuff but f- throughout his own life um, Yo, that sounds like a great way to um, uh, narratively embed a skill tree. Oh, it sure does. Oh, man, it's 2016 <laughs> and skill trees are real. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, th- th- I'm excited. I think like a lot of people are excited to go back to that world. Yeah. And and also, it, this just goes to sh- show um, with Rockstar, the, the fact that they take so frustratingly long um, and I mean, I mean, frustrating as a positive. I mean that as a compliment. Right. Um, in between the sequels to their games, um, like it's so easy to imagine Red Dead Redemption Two having come out like so long ago. Like, how long has it been since Red Dead Redemption? It's been like, forever. has it been ten years? It's been forever, man. Red Dead. I'm, I'm Google Google it up. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. I want to say twenty ten. Okay, 2000. not ten. Not ten years. But you know what? It feels like yeah. ten years. Well, and been, and that's someone pointed out. That's the feeling you want to go for is the feeling that it has been forever ago right. since a game. Someone pointed out recently on Twitter, I think today, uh, that it has been five years since they announced a new game. Like so, obviously God. GTA Five was that game, but that that announcement yeah. came five years ago. Yeah, and that, you know they've essentially been able to coast financially on GTA Online. Like they made a big yes. bet on the multiplayer, and my guess is that we would have already seen and re- they would have released a game if GTA Online had not been a success or if um, it wasn't there at all. I, I am I am fairly confident in relying on my gut reaction that that has been instrumental in them being able to take their yeah, time on, on this next I one. I wonder if we'll see any, any takes around that once this game eventually comes out, or just in general, if, like, games as service allow not just you, you know, doesn't just allow a developer to eke out more income from one game, but it lets them have more, like, spin-up time on, on their next project or whatever, you know? Yeah, and I'm already disappointed about the delay for Red Dead Redemption 2. 
because come on. What do you, what do you think, 2019, 2020? Oh, I don't know. I wonder, you know, the, the, the optimist in me wants to think they're going to pull a Bethesda, you know, and that, and that this game, uh, Rockstar has traditionally uh, released uh, games mostly because they keep delaying them, um, in the spring period, uh, specifically May, uh, or June, uh, 2017. So my... Uh, yeah, again, this is no insight. You know, the, the, the fact that the game exists, I will tell you, is insight. Anything else here is all just you know speculation on my part. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if this game is set for May 2017 um, on PC, Xbox One, and uh, and PlayStation Four. And um, I, I also, I just please put out a PC yeah, what version of Red the, Dead Redemption. What if the, please? the end of the, the Red Dead uh, Two oh reveal or God, Three I, reveal is like, and also right now on Steam. Red Dead Redemption. Go get it. I, 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 there are a few games I would play again that are that long yeah. because I just can't. Yeah, but if it's on PC, you but, can just cheat engine your way through the middle. Yeah, I could, I could literally just get Mexico. And then also just that I have uh, the modding community for that oh. game. Uh, would be fantastic. And also, uh, this is a great chance for me to uh, criminally uh, o- overlooked in the pantheon of, of Rockstar releases. Uh, Undead Nightmare. Yeah. Um, the expansion they put out for Red Dead Redemption might be the best written horror game, uh, period. Uh, it wow. is It is just, it's, I mean, it's just, to see Rockstar take their attempt at uh, horror and satire, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a B-movie thing, it's just, it's so well done. Like, you know, it's not scary or anything like that. It's, you know, so when I say horror, I mean that in a much more uh, general sense. But, like, it's so good, Um I really hope they do uh, another one of those. But if if, if they don't, uh, at, you should, people should absolutely go back and check that out because it's uh, it's it was phenomenal, and I'm 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 sure it still holds up. But even if it doesn't, it does in my head. So that's fine that's, with me. Yeah, you know, my question going forward is coming off of the the notion of like one, I would love to see more of the Undead Nightmare style DLC. Um, for for every for every game for every big weird open world game, I love whenever they're like. Yeah, this is a left, left turn. turn, non-canonical. Like, don't even worry about it. But we have this world that's twisted up in a weird way. And then the second thing I'm really curious about is, maybe this is me zeroing in on that that kind of the silhouettes of these seven people is how important is multiplayer going to be in Red Dead Two? Um, oh, huge! It's going to be there's, huge. There's right? no like, way it's after not the success integral. of yeah. GTA Online, and frankly, the success of Red Dead Online. Which was at the time, like I, I played Red Dead Online with so many people, and it was just one of those, it was just one of those um, things that felt like it was on the precipice of breaking. Like it was just like, oh wow, it's just really fun to be with my buds in this huge weird world, and we're going hunting and we're exploring and we're getting into gunfights with other groups. And uh, I could see them maybe trying to integrate that stuff a little more cleanly, especially after like they nailed what heists are like, what multiplayer heists are like. Uh, in GTA 5 online, um, I, I would do some Wild West heists with my buds. That sounds all right. I mean, what you have to be excited about is uh, Rockstar's uh, sort of like base mechanics have, have come so yeah. far since um, Red Dead Redemption. Um, you know, the gunplay in uh, GTA 5 is just, you know, just bounds better than the stuff that we were putting up with in their previous yeah. games where we were sort of blinded by the open world part of yeah. it and put up with uh, sort of the, sort of the shoddy... Um, like sort of like base running around and shooting mechanics. So like the fact that we're going to get a next gen Red Dead with like that level of competency on a mechanical level is plus also the the yeah, that's also you know the the idea that they've spent the last like three years working on the online stuff like that stuff will probably be much more cleanly integrated <laughs> this yes. this time in in a way that may make it that more people like you and I that tell ourselves wow i really wish i would have gone in and, and played that if it's there since day one and it's it's really cleanly in there it, it could be really exciting how they how they pull that off uh you know the other thing there that i guess i'm maybe a little excited about is um and i think it was brendan keogh who, who talked about this before is i could see a red dead sequel being different tonally than gta 5 was that like there was this almost like an arc from gta 4 to red dead redemption to um, you know a little bit of it in L.A. Noir, which which I know was a, a not a Rockstar North joint, um, but right. still had that Rockstar touch. Um, where like, oh, this is a game that you know obviously their satirization is happening here, but it it is willing to go beyond like 
just trying, just like comedy isn't its its uh, foundation, right? So it doesn't have that excuse for poor characterization. And so the writing in, in each of those games, I think was a lot stronger than GTA V's. Um, I don't hate GTA V. I, I had a, a decent enough time with it. Um, I think it has some problems. I, I've spoken about those problems before. Uh, but I, I think that the, like, the general tone and tenor of Red Dead, uh, like Bully, like... Uh, like GTA, like parts of GTA 4, especially the, the early and mid parts of GTA 4, like show that Rockstar, when they're not devoted to just satirizing America, can do this other thing. They can work in this other mode, and I'd like to see them do that, especially for me coming off of Mafia 3. I'm still playing through Mafia 3. I'm, I'm getting towards what I think is the end. Um, but like, oh, wow, it was really cool to play, play a game like this where every five things on the radio aren't just like, a South Park joke. Um, and, I, you know, yes. there's a place for that in the world for sure. But I like also having this other sort of stuff. And when I say there's a place for, for that stuff in the world, I don't mean like, I don't even necessarily mean in my life, right? Like, I don't think I'll ever go back and play Saints Row 2, which I think was like a bad version of the worst possible version of like, you know, shitty scatological humor. Um, like it wasn't even well delivered. Uh, but, but I get that some people want that stuff. Whereas I just want there to be more attention paid to these, to these types of games where you're using the big open world to communicate something. And that thing can be comedy and can be, you know, horror and can be all this other stuff. But the core of it is, wow, look at these interesting characters. Look at these relationships. The relationship between John Marston and Bonnie is like really fucking good in Red Dead. The relationship between, mm -hmm. between John and his, and his family is really good. Like, that's the the mode I'd like to see Rockstar get back to. Um, again, like not for everything they ever do. I hate that I'm qualifying this as if to like put up a shield from criticism. Like I just, but that is the the mode I want uh, to see them in again. Yeah. So uh, presumably, I, I'd be shocked if we're going to go a full week yeah. without that reveal. So hopefully, we'll have more to to say about that when we see something proper on it um yeah. in the next couple of days but i'm excited Me too. And, you know there's there's no other company that can get a hundred thousand retweets by posting an image to Twitter. and like an image maybe of their maybe logo. bethesda an image of their yeah, maybe logo yeah like today was only when we got artwork from presumably the game uh um but i also you know if i think in my head you know what other game out there is there this much pent up demand for a sequel that has been like so yeah like Maybe Beyond Good and Evil, but Beyond no. Good and Evil, that's that's a tiny slice yeah. of video game dumb. Like Red Dead is that rare uh cross section of ev everyone unless you are Jeff Gersman loves Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> well, it was a cross um, it was a cross like all weird categories of people who play games. Like if you were yeah. like me, a weird games academic, you found something to love in Red Dead. If you were someone who just wanted to get online with your friends and shoot some shit, there was a lot to love in Red Dead. If you were just like the person who goes into a Walmart or a Best Buy and says like, oh, what's like a, a cool new game? Oh, cool. The people who made GTA made a cowboy game. Great. Like that game is going to be great for you. Like a ton of people loved Red Dead for a billion different reasons. So uh, big, uh, it's a big act to follow. We'll see. Also, yeah, I'm excited to see them follow. Someone it. should make Jeff play through Red Dead again. <laughs> That's you know what? Hmm. It's good premium, good premium series for uh, <laughs> Giant Bomb. Just forcing Jeff Gerstmann to play through the entirety of Red Dead Redemption. Oh. Come on, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, that's. Mm, I'll, I'll workshop it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get th we'll get there. Uh, well, we should probably we're hitting towards the hour. We should probably find our way towards this this question. We bucket. should. Let's reach on into the question bucket. Yeehaw. That's not. That's not. Give me a number. <laughs> oh no. That's not. Oh, I can oh, do a southern uh, accent. That mm, isn't it. That's not the one. Mm, uh, let's see. Um, let's see. It's the 17th Red Dead Redemption. Did that teaser thing go out on Saturday? So that would have been the 15th? Let's go with 15th. Alright, sure. Hey, man, this is a really good one. <laughs> this is from Naveen in Toronto who says... Can you help me understand why major video games almost never hit their initially stated release date? <laughs> I get a couple slipping here and there, but at this point, I find myself adding a year onto the proposed release date of any big budget video game. Video games uh -huh. are an established industry with companies worth multiple billions of dollars each, and it boggles the mind that they can't hit self-imposed deadlines. Other industries that work in, on multi-million dollar projects, such as enterprise software or construction, typically make their deadlines, so that it can't be a scale thing. I get that video games are a more creative industry, but then how does the movie industry keep its release dates when it's just as creatively focused? I feel like the reasons for that are different for mm -hmm. every project. Um, but I, I mean, I think generally speaking, it's yeah, it's that the video games are more fluid than the process of making uh, 
almost any anything else. Maybe books are comparable, I suppose. Yeah, but, books, books uh, would be comparable. Um, but I, there, there are just so many moving parts in a way that video games have not, and maybe never will. Maybe it's just a function of how games are, are built, or maybe this will be something in, you know, 20 years we look back and go, oh, right, like games are now, you know, especially on the, the, the large scale, mm-hmm. uh, are, are more like films where you just kind of plug in. In some ways, that is, that is true, right? Like, look at Call of Duty, right? Like, there are games that uh, function in a capacity that is right. very similar to what he's talking about Hollywood, where... Um, uh, tentpole releases are, you know, they pluck out a date or even if they're not announced uh, until, you know, Call of Duty games aren't really uh, announced until about six months out. Um, but, you know, those internally, uh, you know, those games are on a three-year cycle. They know their date. They're structuring their production um, in a way to hit that date over the next uh, three years. But uh, I think it's just a lot of games are, are messy and and that messiness is not necessarily apparent until the very end like i think what's different about video games is so much about what makes that video game work or not work is not apparent until you have to get to that pivot where you're getting ready to ship it's within when you get to that last you know this depends on the scale of the game let's take a triple a game um that stuff starts to come together let's say in you know the last like nine months uh as you head towards release as systems start clicking into place and and what's in your head and what your vertical slice is suddenly starts percolating through the whole game and it may be at that point you realize, oh no, I this doesn't work. And yeah, that's um, that's what you hear from people in the in the development industry like constantly is we put three or four years into a game and don't know if it's good until six seven months out before a release. Right, like because every game is bad until that point. Like every game. Yep goes through this this arc where like you have your design document you have great art assets you you know you you can maybe get a character it feels okay to move around but the things don't click together and where it's actually a good time to play until very late into into development which means that you can hit a point where it's like oh shit like we made a we made a bad one <laughs> we this needs to go back <laughs> like there's we need to polish this 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 and this in order to make this something we're comfortable shipping like it, you you can't necessarily forecast your success very cleanly um and i think the other thing here too is like most movies don't have to invent the camera every time that they that they're going out into production right like most directors right. don't start by going all right well we already used this HD camera last time, but like that other movie looks dope. Let's get that camera this time. Like that does happen, obviously, in some very, very big blockbuster things, and, and that obviously can happen in in CG and stuff like that. But for the majority of films, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to use this camera. This camera works, and and this camera frames shots the way cameras frame shots. Obviously, there are nuances. I'm not like going to tell you that camera A is is equal to camera B, but like the fundamentals of filmmaking are developed and separate from the tools, whereas we're constantly seeing the development of new tools shape the development of new gameplay mechanics, shape new you know, methods of showing aesthetics. Um, you know, when, when Harvey Smith was in here just a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about how they developed a new uh, kind of rendering engine for the way that Dishonored 2 would look. And like, that's just a step that you don't need to take in these other industries. You know, you, when you make a piece of, of enterprise software, you don't start by going like, what if instead of Windows... <laughs> It was something else, you know, like that's not Linux. Let's just build it for Linux. Right, exactly. Like everything we do and a different distro of Linux too. Like that's just not, so, so there's, there's like Ooh. that common foundation of, of, for those other things that allow you to kind of jump to the creative process and, and better estimate how much time it's going to take for you to, to make the, the, the thing you're trying to make. Uh, it's, it's tough. I, I've said it a bunch. Video games are difficult. Video games are tough, man. And, and often, you know, release dates are announced with the best of intentions. Yes. Um, that that a release date is a way of crystallizing a game, right? So, you know, in the same way that um, uh, deadlines, you know, I speak from a writer's perspective. Sometimes it is useful to be told, "Hey, you have ninety minutes to finish this. Mm-hmm. It has to just be up," um, because you end up very quickly figuring out. What do I need to do to make this happen? Now, is there a world where maybe that article or this game is better because you get another, let's say, six hours to write it or six months to polish it? Maybe, but um, often uh, the 
the uh, the fact that you have a deadline may be the only reason it gets finished and into a shape that is presentable um, at all. And I think that's you know that is definitely the case with some video games. You know, the famously um, Rod Ferguson, um, who um, was the head of the coalition, who was um, seen as the closer right. on uh, the Gears games, um, and uh, he also what went into Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. um, and was uh, brought in as someone that can look at a project and go, "Oh God, like this is not going to ship for." ever possibly in its current place um, and come in and find a way to get that out. Um, release dates function in that way. And so often if, you know, they may set a release date that, yes, it ships a year after that, but the only reason it's going to ship that year later is because they set that original release date yeah, in the first exactly. place because by the time the game gets close to that original release date, they may now have crystallized, okay, we know what this game is. We know how to get it in the direction we need to. Now this last year or six months or whatever the delay ends up being, that's the point where they can focus in and and, and get it to be the game they want it to be because they couldn't have gotten it there without being forced to the original date in the first place. Oh, and, and the other thing that happens here too sometimes is you get that extra money, you get that extra cash influx that lets you say, like, oh, we can actually extend development and just make this better. Like, yeah, we could ship, you know, at at day X, but it turns out GTA Online has done really well for us. Or it turns out that this other side contract project that we did has extended our our development, uh, you know, life. And so, so like, those things for me, I'm definitely... There's definitely times when I've been bummed that something's gotten delayed. I remember being a little kid and time crisis for the PS1 got delayed. <laughs> I called my EB games, or I think it was an EBX at, at that mall, every day for six months because it was delayed indefinitely. And it did come out eventually, but they didn't like give a date. It wasn't like I could, no one knew when it was coming. So I just called every day. So I've been there. I've been the person who has been, I was like 13. So it's a different situation now than, than it was then. But, but like I've been there where I've been excited for something to come out and been bummed when it gets delayed. But someone who likes good games, I'd almost always rather at least the first or second delay, by the time you get to the third or fourth delay, you start going like, uh-oh, like, what's up with that project? What's going on? Like, is everything okay? Is there a problem with the with the tech? Is there a problem with management? Is there a problem with, like, some, some key wing of the development studio? Like, what's going on? But in general, like, the first couple of times something gets pushed back, I just generally say, all right, well, we're going to get a better game out of this in, in another year or another six months. Like... Let's just wait. My backlog is already huge. You know, like I'm already, like I said, The Witcher, Gears 4, Doom, Elder Scrolls Online. There's so much to play out there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I certainly, uh, I felt this when uh, Uncharted 4 kept getting these like six week delays over and over again. Like those are the ones where you can kind of raise your eyebrow at because, and also it gives me a queasy feeling on my stomach because I know, I mean, I know for a fact, uh, you know, that's, you know, those are developers that are then crunching for another six weeks, another six weeks. Um, you know, it's not like they're getting six weeks so that people can take proper vacations and things right. like that. That's right. just a game under the um, under the grind so it can, you know, ship um, at the bare minimum it needs to, to get out the door. But yeah, I mean, it's I think it's part of life. I, I think you are totally right to have the perspective uh, that just add a year because I feel like you know, I want to live in this world where Rockstar's waited to get this game mostly done and they'll announce it, promote it for the next uh, nine months and it'll come out next May. Am I going to be shocked if it gets delayed to September and then somehow gets delayed again to the spring of 2018? Like, no, but, um, you know, I think you're I think you're right to be cautious, like just like you don't pre-order games. Also, don't expect the games are going to ship when they say they do. Exactly. Well, I think that's going to bring it to a close this Monday. It is uh, it is going to be a long week this week. I'm like I'm already sick. Yeah. Got a lot going on. A lot going on. I don't want to commit to anything, but there's a lot going on this week. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker on Facebook at Austin Walker Games. Patrick, where can <laughs> people find you that. on the internet? You're gonna have to say that every single. I gotta episode. I gotta say it. They told me they uh, Mr. Vice brought me into the office. He was like. <laughs> Shane Smith brought me into the office. He's like, you know, you know what, Austin? People really are on Facebook a lot these days. That's that's where they are. <laughs> Have you seen it? Have you been, Have you been looking? looking? This Facebook thing's big. Me, yeah. God. It actually has been weird because since we mentioned it, people have started liking it. I and, know. And I'm like, oh, right. I have that page and people are liking it. So thanks, thanks for doing that, folks. I should put some content um, on there. There it is. You should link your, you should link your Twitter feed. Uh, oh, right. Oh, yeah, we almost Austin made it to the end of the episode. Walker on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, no, I'm saying you can link that to your Facebook oh, page. Oh, is that what I can do? 
Yeah, so then your t- Twitter content just goes becomes your Facebook. Do content, my retweets then, hit too? Because if I'm not getting my good like no. knife bot retweets, then I don't. What's the point? I don't. I don't think so. I think it's only your content. Other people's content that you retweet a content is not. Content. Everyone should follow at Live Cut Corner, which is a bot that <laughs> takes images and video clips from the knife show Cutlery Corner, where they where they sell knives. It's okay. It's funny. It's it's funny. Okay, I believe I'm you. I'm sick. Uh, I have a fever. I know. We got to get out of here. I'm, I'm at Patrick Kluppick. You can uh, follow me uh, at P. Kluppick <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook. And somewhere we say this enough times, then we'll just get over yes. it and it'll be the, the shame will just be ingrained uh, into to our, our sign off. But yeah, uh, and then you can follow all of our work at vice.com slash gaming. And then what's uh, questions at vice gaming? No, wait. No, gaming at vice.com title questions and you can uh, get, become part of the question bucket thank you so much thanks also to tim barnes our podcast producer thanks to bowen for letting us use the track miss you off of his ep pale machine pale machine uh i'm just gonna give you the band camp today that's what i'm gonna do bowen band camp put that in twitter it's probably what you can do bowen.bandcamp.com will take you right to where you can go buy pale machine including the track miss you uh, you can find Vice Gaming stuff at vice.com slash gaming and at twitter.com slash vice gaming. Also on Facebook, Vice Gaming on Facebook. Continue to, uh, to shoot us some, some reviews over on, over on uh, iTunes and, and Google Play and all those other stores. That, that means a lot. We are currently new and noteworthy, I believe, on, on iTunes, which, which that's cool. I'm pretty happy about that. We will, you know, so, so more reviews, more thumbs up, share it, do all that stuff. Patrick, Likes. this is, I don't know how to, it's because I'm sick again. I got really good at this for like the last three weeks, and now I'm back to being. You're overthinking yeah, it. Let me just say it like this. Peace. <laughs>